Uh, it's just been a beautiful season. We've asked for some um, money that's come in uh, more than we needed. Uh, and um, uh, I just said to Hannah, what's the latest? And she said she's going to text me. So I'm so sorry, I didn't get it before. But more money than we expected uh, came in, and, and that's through your generosity. I just want to honor you. We're going to take that extra and have uh, food sent to all the pastors that come. Um, but I, um, if we can just put up that slide with all the prayer requests, um, uh, we're, we're due to leave this afternoon, <clears throat> and Ryan Schmidt is going to join us um, next weekend, and we're going to go and minister. But um, Paul, uh, Paul had asked for various times when Paul was traveling, he'd asked for prayer from the church. And I, I just a little study of that, what Paul asked for for prayer. And every time I, I read something that Paul said, I was like, yeah, I really want that. Uh, Lord, could I have some of that too? So Hannah says $37,422. Well done. <laughs> we, we were shooting for 30, we got 37. <laughs> Bless you. That's the way it should be. Paul said, um, uh, he said, look, I, I need you, you can help us by your prayers. He said, then, then the gracious gift of, and the answer to your prayers will bring glory to God. So we need to partner together. We're, going, we're traveling now. Uh, we're going to a large conference in South Africa, a large conference in Uganda. We're ministering in multiple churches as well during that time. But Paul asked for these seven things, and I want to ask you, this PDF is up on our website, and uh, today's sermon, you can go find it there. If you would like to partner with us, uh, you can come with us in prayer and ask for these seven things. Paul said, pray that a way be made for me to come. Sometimes there isn't a way. Um, and he said, secondly, pray that God would open a door for our message. Um, can I just say... Um, I, I was doing, I just heard this morning that an, an another flight was canceled. Um, in the two weeks that we're there, I've had four flights and a hotel cancel. Do you understand? That's four flights canceled. And you go, after a while, you start going, the devil's a liar. Can't stop us moving, right? But that's, that's a little weird, you'd say. And so people say, well, you know, what's the, what's the big deal? Well, I, I think there's... We're going into a nation to disciple a nation. We're, you know, hope, we're hopefully having a thousand pastors that we can help change their minds. We're going to make some impact. And so, so to assume that we, we're not going to do this without the need of prayer is, not, is just not wise. So we really would covet your prayers. Pray that a way be made, that a door be opened, that the message would spread rapidly and be honored. Number four, that words be given us. I've just said this in my heart. I began, Lord, give me words. You go, Greg, you usually don't need words. I mean, I know. But I need the Lord's words for this time. Um, number five, pray that I may proclaim this clearly. Six, pray that I may proclaim it fearlessly. Number seven, pray that God would deliver us from evil people and evil places. So uh, we really would cover your prayers and we're, we're really excited this whole there's a sense of, the, of destiny and of anointing and there's breakthrough on this trip, so we're very excited. Thanks for being with us in the middle of that. The sermon today, we're carrying on in our Midnight Oil series and I'm really jazzed about this one. The sermon title is Be Kept Being Filled or Be Being Kept Filled. 
And it comes from the scripture in Ephesians and when, when the Bible talks about us and our relationship to the Holy Spirit. By way of introduction, last week we looked at just a few things, six things that oil usually represented in the scriptures. And whenever people put, poured oil on something, it, it, it had a physical manifestation of a spiritual truth. That physical oil poured out was usually manifested of the Holy Spirit's moving on somebody's life. And so we said the first thing oil was used for was for consecration. They would consecrate prophets, priests, kings, the temple, anything used in the temple. The only way it could be set aside for sacred use is if holy oil was poured on it. And the only way that you're set aside for sacred use is when the Spirit of God is poured out on your life. This is the way God does it. He doesn't use anything but what has been set aside for sacred use. And uh, that's part of why the Holy Spirit comes on us. The second thing is for illumination. Oil was used for illumination in the temple and for uh, any, any lamp that, uh, that represents the revelation or the, the speaking of God requires oil. And in your life and in mine, the oil of the Holy Spirit is going to fill us, fill our minds with clarity and our hearts with understanding. Thirdly, the oil represented the infilling of God. And so they would fill up jars, fill up uh, lamps, fill up buckets. Oil represents an infilling that God would take up residence on the inside of us. Number four, oil represented an empowering. And that's how the Holy Spirit empowers us. Jesus specifically forbade his disciples to preach without being filled by the Holy Spirit. Because you stay in Jerusalem, be quiet, don't say anything. Stay. I don't want you to go preach. Stay until my, the, the gift my father promised has come on you. Then go to the world and change the world. Number five, oil represents healing. And that's how the Holy Spirit comes. He said, if anyone is sick, let them call for the elders. They'll anoint him with oil. Lay hands on them and the sick person will be made well. Number six, oil represented the, the teaching, the illumination, the revelation that the Holy Spirit gives um, and and uh, Corinthians talks about that reality. We have uh, spirit-taught uh, concepts with spirit-taught words that the world cannot understand and cannot even esteem. The world thinks the things that are taught by the spirit are foolishness, and they have no value to the world, but they're immensely valued, valuable to us. Now, we've been examining this idea in the series that it's time right now, we're in a season, for gathering oil. And we looked last week that the season to gather oil and the season to expend oil are not the same season. When the time comes for you to use oil, you can't be going off to get oil because that's what happened to the five unwise virgins. When they had not brought extra oil with them, they found out, the cry rang out, here is the bridegroom and their lamps were going out because there wasn't enough oil. And so they said, we're gonna have to go get some. And uh, one of the things that the Lord is calling us to is gather extra oil for a long night. It's likely that we'll be burning the midnight oil. Somehow people go, well, it, the Lord is not going to allow us to go through any discomfort. That somehow, somehow that's crept into the Western church theology. If it's God, there will be no discomfort to me, no effort on my part, no devotion, no dedication Somehow, I would not have to give up everything. I wouldn't have to sacrifice something. I wouldn't have to suffer anything, surely. Surely that can't be right. But the truth is that God is going to um, 
call us into realms of glory and we're gonna see things that other generations have not yet seen, but it's gonna require of us for the gathering of oil. This is for us an exercise in preparedness because for us to be unprepared for Jesus' return is to demonstrate ambivalence to the one who promised to return for us. So we are in this mode of stirring ourselves up to gather as much oil as we can, to bring extra jars with you, get some more buckets, go and find something else. Let's fill up, drag oil around with us because it might be a long night, but at least it's gonna be a bright night because it's gonna be oil enough for everyone. Now, Paul writes the book of Ephesians to a a group of people that were probably his favorite church. He spent the most time in Ephesus. Uh, he, he was based there. He, he ministered there. He really liked them. And Paul, when he writes his epistle to Ephesians, is in prison. So he's getting near the end of his life. He's getting a sense of this may not be, uh, may not be around too much. And he's writing to the Ephesians, his favorite church. And this, by the way, is the church that saw revival. I mean, they saw uh, in Ephesus, people brought scrolls, witchcraft scrolls, and they had this massive bonfire in the city, and everybody threw away their idols, and, and they just worshipped God because they'd all come to know Jesus. Um, for about two years, Paul had been ministering there, and he'd been under house arrest, so he couldn't leave the city. He, he was staying, but the Bible says all over Asia Minor, everybody heard the gospel. That's about 8 to 15 million people heard the gospel in two years. Amen. No Facebook. So Paul had, had seen some stuff. He, this, was a, this was a fun memory in Paul's life. He'd seen God explode the gospel. So Paul is full of faith about the beauty and the power of the gospel. When he writes to them, he, he writes to them in the first three chapters of the book are to remind them about what Jesus has done for them and the power of the work of the cross and the beauty of the nature of God. And he just celebrates the power of the gospel and the finished work of Jesus. And he writes this really to safeguard them because as Paul's in prison, he's watching this church that experienced glory and revival. He's watching other people sneak in and there are some people who wanna take the church back under legalism. And there are some people that are sneaking in. They wanna take the church into licentiousness. So the legalists are trying to get them back under the law and the licentious people are trying to get them, it doesn't matter what you do, the Gnostics came in and said, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. It, it was, you, know, you can get drunk, you can sleep around, you can, that's sexual immorality, it's not a problem because that's just your body. If, as long as you keep your spirit pure, right? So Paul is writing to this church to try and correct them and just go, hey guys, remember the beauty of Jesus. And in chapter four, he then turns his attention to how they should respond to the beautiful finished work of the cross. And so he starts to, of necessity, deal with, hey, this is how we ought to be living. We, we, should, we should arrange and orient our lives to reflect what is true about who we are. You are no longer sinners. You are now blood-bought, born-again, brand-new creations who are empowered by God and therefore live like this. Do you get the picture? I'm just laying, a, this is just the background, so we're gonna get into some specific scripture, but that's what Paul is doing. He's trying to get these people to do. So this is kind of like his big application of the power of the cross. He says, I know the world around you. The world around you is terrible. The world around you is living in 
just horrible sin. Because uh, what we, what, I guess we're less familiar with this reality because we've grown up under Christianity and the gospel has had inroads into most cultures of the world. But in that day, uh, it was very, very freak, infrequent that anybody had any sort of a moral code or compass. So immorality was normal and the Christians were completely weird. Some of you may start to feel we're nudging our way back into that reality, right? This is what Barclay's study Bible says about the times. In his speech, Prokelo Cicero pleads, if there is anyone who thinks that young men should absolutely be forbidden the love of courtesans, he's indeed extremely severe. Basically, you can't go to prostitutes. And he goes, well, if there is somebody who even thinks that, that's very severe. I'm not able to deny the principle that he states, but he's at variance not only with the license of our own age, or what it allows, but also with the customs and concessions of our ancestors. When indeed was this not done? When did anyone ever find fault with it? When was such a permission denied? When was it that which is now lawful was not lawful? The Greeks said that Solon was the first person to allow the introduction of prostitutes into Athens and then the building of brothels. And with the prophets of the new trade, a new temple was built to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Nothing could show the Greek point of view better than the fact that they saw nothing wrong in building a temple to the gods with the proceeds of prostitution. And when Paul set to stress this stress on moral purity, he was erecting a standard which the ordinary heathen had never even dreamed of. That is why he pleads with them so earnestly and lays down his laws of purity with such stringency. We must remember the kind of society from which these Christian converts had come and the kind of society with which they were encompassed. There is nothing in all history like the moral miracle which Christianity wrought. So Paul is writing and he's saying to them in effect, I'm not introducing a new religion. I'm not trying to bring a new moral code. What I'm trying to tell you is that you as a new creation, you as somebody who's been elevated into Christ, you as somebody who is in Christ far above every principality and power and every other name that can be named, you, then this is how you should live because you are not like the rest of them. You are nothing like the world around you. So differentiate yourself in the way you live out this gospel. There's nothing so tragic as somebody who has been completely revolutionized inside, completely washed, revolutionized, transformed, empowered, and they live like they used to live. What a tragedy that is. Like, what are you doing? That's what Peter said, a dog goes back to its own vomit. That's not a good way to do. Ephesians 4. Sorry, that got heavy quickly. Are you all still with me? But I just want you to get a feel of what Paul is trying to accomplish here. He's trying to speak to these people whom he loves dearly, who have seen the glory of God, who have understood the gospel, who have seen the gospel's power shake their whole, whole you know, uh, Asia. He's going, hey guys, uh, let me just say, there's something, there's something you need to do. So here he starts chapter four. As the prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Live a life that's worthy of what you've been called to. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, 
make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I just wanted to give you a taste. That's where Paul changes gears and he starts talking about this is how we should live. Jump with me to chapter five. He keeps going on this theme. He says, following God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there mustn't be any hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. He's saying, listen, you are God's holy people, so therefore there should be none of this among you because that's improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. For you were once darkness, but now you were light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be being kept filled with the Holy Spirit, is the way the original Greek says it. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This scripture be kept being filled with the Spirit is a fascinating part of what Paul's theology allows for us because he says, this is something, in Greek it's a present passive imperative, which means it's a command that you don't, it's a, it's a, it's a passive command. Literally means keep on being filled. Not keep on filling yourself, Keep on being filled. Keep on. In other words, you and I are not the ones who are creating the flow of oil. But you and I are the ones who can stop the flow of oil. Plug it up. It's not up to me to generate oil. It's not up to you to generate oil. It's up to you and me to capture oil and to, and to keep it. Be being kept filled. The infilling of God, the flow of the Holy Spirit is almost going on all the time. And if you start to recognize and celebrate and cooperate, you start dripping with oil. The anointing will drip off you. And the anointing is what breaks the yoke. It's a burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. Because when I gave my life to Jesus, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Because of the baptism of the Spirit, I belong in Christ's body. But because of the infilling of my life, means my body belongs to Christ. Okay? So the Spirit of God inside of us is going to flow. And Paul wants us to understand that you need to be saturated, intoxicated, speaking and singing and acting out of the flow of this moving oil on the inside of you. It's like a new wine. So he, he, Paul jumps to this juxtaposition in his head. He says, now, now, now don't get drunk with wine. Instead, 
be being filled constantly, always through every moment of life by the Holy Spirit. Be intoxicated. Many religions of the day, uh, especially the adherents of Bacchus, Bacchus was a god, the god of wine. Many religions of the day had ceremonies of, where they practiced drunkenness, basically, because they, they believed Bacchus, priests believed, and when they got really drunk, then, then Bacchus would prophesy through them and they could really connect with him. And um, they would sing hymns when they were, they were drinking songs. Nothing changed, I guess. This is especially around Greece and Italy. This was the thing. That was where they were. And the heathen priests would then pretend to be full of Bacchus and they would worship and they would give out oracles to people. Now, Paul writes to the Ephesians because they, they, they were very, very familiar. And he writes to them and says, guys, do not participate. Do not be like that. Because you understand when people get that drunk that it leads to debauchery. It leads to licentiousness. It leads to a mess. He says, now, I don't want you to be part of that. Instead, I want you to be intoxicated with this constant flow of the Spirit of God in your life. It was acceptable during a festival of Bacchus for men and women to become intoxicated. And they would sing wild songs and run through the streets and the fields and the vineyards. Bond's notes on the whole Bible says, Plato says that while the abominable ceremonies in the worship of Bacchus continued, it was difficult to find in all Attica a single sober man. That's clearly in Paul's head. Don't, don't go here. Go here. So I want to say, relax. Be being filled is something we let happen. But spiritual talk is a key. Spiritual talk is a key. Let me read it to you. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be being kept filled by the Spirit of God, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. This is fascinating to me. We all know that James said, our tongue is like the rudder of a ship or the bit we put in the mouth of a horse. It has the power of direction. And your tongue can direct you in some way or direct you poorly. So in Ephesians 4, which is fascinating to me, because I, I never quite saw the connection this clearly. Ephesians 4, he says, there should be no coarse joking or vulgar language from your lips. And do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He connects the vulgarity of their lips and the grieving of the Spirit of God. And here in chapter 5, he says, be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs that came from the Spirit. That's a fascinating thing. That means that there is something that you and I can do. I need to lay hold of my tongue and you need to lay hold of yours and we need to harness them in the direction of where we need to go. Because I'll tell you something, if we fill our mouths with worldliness and, and scoffing and the same language of everybody else, we will see the results of everybody else. But if we fill our mouths with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, they stir up the oil on the inside of us. What speech has the oil of the Spirit of God on him? Sometimes, and it, you know, sometimes I preach myself full of joy. Because the more I begin to preach the gospel, it, it, it unlocks wells of oil in me. I, I come away, woo, woo. 
I'm, 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 I'm going to preach for eight hours a day in, in Uganda. I come down, I'm like, I have to slow down at night to get to sleep because I'm so, I've preached myself full of oil. I'm dripping. Something to do with your mouth unlocks oil within you. Hear me. I'll tell you the truth. Because there is speech that's consistent with drunken revelers or those who want to get drunk. They're constantly hailing alcohol, like how amazing and how, like how cool was we? And you know, they boast about it. Remember, remember that time when we drank that? Oh, I drank so much. <laughs> it's really young. Shouldn't be among us. But I think we've all been around enough people like that. It's all so wonderful and how alcohol is so amazing. And Paul says, now don't be like that. Just use the same language and talk about the Holy Spirit. Remember when the Holy Spirit moved in? Remember when the Lord did that? That wasn't that amazing? Oh, that was such a good word. You know what the Lord spoke to me? How amazing it is what the Lord said. Remember when he did that? How cool. It's testimony this morning. Hey, look what the Lord did. I know it sounded funky at the time, but then the Lord had had an agenda there. So that man can never say he never heard the gospel. So what is this speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Well, it's a good start if you know the psalms. I think it says somewhere in the Bible that cleanliness is next to godliness. You know know those people? (laughs) No, it doesn't say that. Not in the Bible. But um, it's helpful for you to know some psalms. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual song. Now, there's a lot of discussion in all the commentaries about what this means. And there's the, the, the purists and the commentators say, no, it's only Scripture. That's the only thing they're mentioning. I know they say psalms and hymns, but the hymns actually mean the psalms. Because some, some of the psalms are actually hymns, and so that's what it means. And then, and then, and, then, and I, I think, no. I think it is absolutely psalms. But I think there are some hymns that when I begin to, when I begin to speak those hymns, oil gets unlocked inside of me, and you too. And some choruses, I just begin to speak them out, and I feel a release of oil. Because he says, he says be, be kept on, keep on being filled with the Spirit of God, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, or, or songs that come from the Spirit. I think there are phrases every now and again that the Holy Spirit's gonna whisper out over a church. And it's going to be like, the, like this, the, the word of the Lord for this month over the church. He's going to whisper it again and again. We're going to hear it and we're going to go, yeah. Speak to one another about those things. And you find this many times in the scriptures. It says they, they uh, you'll, you'll see it in your Bible. It, it's in quotes. Like there were many portions of theology that is now in our New Testament that originated as songs. And were quoted by the apostles. Philippians 2 is one. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but, but made himself empty. And being found in appearance as human, being found in the likeness of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father that he is Lord. That was a song the church sang. Paul just wrote it down. 
There are some things, there are some whispers of the Spirit that He's going to give in musical form. He's going to communicate with the church in song. There are some poets, there are some people who have wordsmiths, there are some people who are anointed, they can bring this forth. And I just want to encourage you, be one of those people. Find music that does that in your heart. Remember when COVID just started and the song The Blessing came out? What a blessing that song was, right? It added oil, it poured oil into the church talked about how God's going to bless you and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. And he'll pour out his smile about the goodness of God. The song has been on my heart this week. It's the Cody Barnes song that he sang, Nothing Else. I've been just whispering it to the Lord. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. But more than anything that I can do, I just want you. I'm sorry when I've gone through the motions and I'm sorry when it was just another song. So take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I came with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. You feel the oil flowing? There's some, speak to one another with these things. Remember moments of devotion and times when the Lord spoke to you. How about Charles Wesley's song? Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King and the triumphs of His, parade, of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim and spread through all the world abroad the honors of Thy name. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease, music to a sinner's ears. Life, health, and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoners free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. He speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. And the mournful broken hearts rejoice. The humble poor believe. Hear him, you deaf, his praise ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold, your Savior come. And leap ye lame for joy. See, we should fill our mouths not with what is ugly or worldly. Because that, that has an authority to steer you as well. That is not uh, stop up the wells, take you out into the desert. I want to steer myself into oil wells. I don't want to steer out into the desert. Ephesians 4, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only what is helping build others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of your redemption.
This is the key. Worship and thanksgiving are more keys. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord in, for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes, sometimes melody is enough. We always think we have to say all the words. Sometimes I just sit and worship and I just, I just groan my way through a song because something's going on inside of me that's too deep for words. Words cannot get their hands around what's going on, what the Spirit of God is stirring in us. And I know you know what I'm talking about because the Spirit of God works in that way. And sometimes he says, just make a melody in your heart. Well, I'm not good with words. You don't have to be. Just hum. Make melody towards the Lord. If there are some moments where the Holy Spirit stops using words and he groans when he's interceding for you, that's what the Bible says. There are some moments when I groan when I'm talking back to him. And that's okay. Music and melody existed before time began because we know this because when God started creating, the Bible says the angel choir sang while the morning stars sang together. They, they worshiped. They, there was melody and music and God was creating. And then it was swelled when they saw boom light and this worship swelled. Worship was eternal. It was before anything was created. Jubal one of the sons of Cain was the first guy on earth who created musical instruments, but music existed long before Jubal did. And he says, always, always giving thanks to God. You want to unstop the wells? You want to let some oil flow? Kick yourself into thanksgiving. Stop focusing on what you think God hasn't done focus on what he has done and start saying thank you for that thank you for that Lord thank you for that when I start getting into thanksgiving I feel the oil begins to flow again dryness starts to go thank you Lord for your beauty for your profound kindness to me you've always been faithful and even when I've not understood you've always held me there's never been a moment you rejected me or forsook me. And I haven't liked every road I've gone down and there have been some painful, painful moments, but you've never left me. When I exercise myself to thank him and celebrate, I find oil flowing. Now, just like the rest of the series, I'm gonna give us just a few minutes to practice. I'm most... Uh, these two ladies to lead us. They're going to lead us in a song. They're going to minister to us. And then I've asked them deliberately to keep playing but not to use words because I want you to have a moment just between you and the Lord. You may just want to groan. You may just want to hum. You may just want to lift your hands. Maybe you just want to bow down. The Bible says, sing, make melody, and be giving thanks. Decide this week. Decide this week to use your words, what comes out of your mouth, to steer you into places where there's oil. The lady's going to minister to us.
dealing with so many identity issues. There's a call on the Spirit right now for us to recognize who we are. A lot of people don't recognize who they are in Christ. You are perfectly restored to God's good graces. You are holy and blameless in His sight, free from accusation. You have been justified, declared legally innocent for eternity because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You are a beloved child of the living God. You are no longer in Adam, you're in Christ. That means that all the treasure, all the authority, all the power of heaven is yours in Jesus Christ. know who you are and live like that go be that this week Lord I release Holy Spirit I'm asking that you would just now begin to pour a fresh infilling on everybody in the room I'm asking Holy Spirit fresh influx of anointing, of clarity. Fill us up with oil, Lord. Fill this place, Lord. Fill this place, Lord. With presence. You're most welcome, Lord. Most honored, most honored. I love the way you are, Lord. you take us into moments of awe, just awe about who you are and about who Jesus is and who the Father is. Lead us, Lord, into seasons of awe and worship and adoration. Let this place, Lord, be full be being kept full of the Spirit of God with psalms, hymns, songs of worship, and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.